Well, hey, good morning. Hey, welcome to Bridgewater, as uh, David said. Uh, my name is Matt, and I'm the joy and honor being the campus pastor here in Halstead. And as David said, today's going to be a little bit of a different Sunday. So if you've been with us the last two weeks, and these are your first two weeks, you think, what does this church do? Do they ever have church? We do, uh, 50 weeks out of the year. But these two weeks, we're going to do things a little bit different. And so uh, we are in our vision series uh, where every year we take some time out of the year just to remind ourselves of why we do what we do, um, that the things we choose to do as a church are not random. We don't do them because we saw them in a magazine and they look like fun. Uh, we do them because we believe deeply as we read the Word of God and we do our best to interpret it that this is the best way we know how to apply the Word of God to fulfill the commission He has given uh, the church. And so every year we're going to take some time just to remind ourselves of that. And so today we're actually going to uh, hear from our lead pastor, Josh Jones, who uh, you guys recently voted in to be the lead pastor. He's going to share with us via video and across all of our campuses this morning a little bit of what the vision for what we believe God is calling us to do in this coming year. Um, coming out of COVID, there was a lot of things that happened and a lot of things where we were just trying to survive. Um, we are through that season. Glory to God. Everybody said amen. Yeah. And we're with great anticipation looking to see what God is going to do. So as Josh shares uh, with us, um, he's going to come up and talk, and then I'll come back up and share what that looks like within the context of Halstead and maybe how we see God moving here locally. And then we actually get to hear from uh, two of our missionaries today, one via video and one here is, is here in person to share with us uh, this morning. So Take your attention, go ahead and watch this video here with me this morning. Temporary. So many things in life are temporary. Trends come and go. Fads are here today and gone tomorrow. For example, I can hardly keep up with the terminology and phrases my kids and their friends use. About the moment I begin to catch on and use the word, it's no longer trendy or popular. And to avoid embarrassing my children and the rest of our young people, I won't give any examples today. But the truth is we're used to things that come and go. Words, expressions, celebrities, politicians, businesses rise in popularity for a time, then fade away. And while we're sad to see some of these things and people go, we rejoice that others have gone away. And while it's a hard truth to acknowledge, churches come and go too. Once they were full and thriving, now their buildings are dark, dusty, and empty. It is a sad but all too true reality and throughout its existence, Bridgewater Church has gone through its own highs and lows, at times thriving and at other times on the brink of collapse. But God has seen fit to use this church for over 200 years. What began in 1808 continues today. There's still an anticipation of what God is going to do among us. We still assume God is already at work in the lives of the people who attend our services. And while we do not know what's in store for our church or what the future holds, we do know what we ought to be doing. That's because the instructions Jesus left for his followers have not expired. They still apply today. I believe Bridgewater is a place where people believe that. And that is why God is still allowing us to play a part in changing people's lives. You see, for followers of Jesus, the commands of Jesus don't come and go with the passing of time and neither should our obedience to them. Jesus said he would build his church, and we believe time hasn't dampened his zeal for his church, and we are so grateful for how God is using Bridgewater Church. We continue to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has been happening because followers of Jesus have been obeying his commands. What I mean is that you, the people of Bridgewater Church, 
caught the vision of what could happen if you truly believed and obeyed Jesus' commands, that you could reach your friends, coworkers, neighbors, and schools with the good news of Jesus Christ. You haven't relied on the pastors or church staff to do it. We have certainly tried to do our part, but that alone doesn't change a community. It takes more than the people on stage or on a staff. It takes everyone who is a part of this church to believe that the same work God did in their lives, he wants to do in the lives of the people they know and that he wants to use them to bring it about. I believe that's why we've been able to celebrate 44 people accepting Jesus as their savior and 42 going public with their faith through baptism so far in 2022. But I wanna urge you to stick with it. We each need to personally commit to do our part and not allow the mission Jesus gave us to take a role of lessening importance in our lives. If we're gonna remain committed to what Jesus gave us to do, we must remember why we exist as followers of Jesus and as a church. So I wanna take you to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, to see what our purpose, our, our why is as Jesus not only reveals why his followers should be making disciples of Jesus, but also tells them how to go about it. Luke chapter 10, verses one, two, and three. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. In this passage, Jesus is sending out a group of his followers, 72 in all. He commissioned them to go to all the places he was about to go. He wanted them to engage with people and prepare them to meet Jesus. They were to go do the work of telling people about Jesus and Jesus would do his part and complete the work they began. But in all that's happening in this passage, this truth is perfectly clear, and this is our purpose. This is our why. God wants to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't send people out for no reason. He was going to change people's lives. He had come to seek and save the lost. He had brought salvation to the world, and he was going to use people to deliver it. Jesus gave his followers instructions, and they followed them. In faith, they believed and as a result, obeyed. This is how the message of Jesus has spread from generation to generation. Followers of Jesus have for years been doing what Jesus told his followers to do. So if we do what they did, the work will continue. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's because somebody did what the people did who were there to hear Jesus give these instructions. And this begs some questions. What did they do? What do we need to do? What is our role in his mission? What are we to do? First, we pray for more workers. We see this in verse two, where he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We are to pray that people would rise up and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that God would ignite a passion in his people to make more and better disciples, that is, followers of Jesus. Instead of praying for an easier job, Jesus says they are to pray for more workers to join them. And we today need to pray that same prayer. 
Notice that it's the workers, not spectators, who pray for more workers. I'm afraid too many of us are praying for somebody else to do a job we are unwilling to do ourselves. So God determines the ends, but he also determines the means. He will send out workers to tell people about Jesus, but he will do it in response to the prayers of those workers. Would you commit to pray that God would send out more workers to make Jesus known? So because God wants to change people's lives, we are to pray for more workers. But that's not all. We also see, and this is the second part of our role in Jesus' mission, we do the work. Verse three says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. They were to go tell people about Jesus. So if we do what Jesus told them to do, then we will go and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you've been sent. Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, when he says that we're ambassadors for Jesus, representing him to the world. So Jesus tells these followers to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers. Then he sends those very workers out. What this means is that we are the workers and we are the answer to our own prayers. But what is this going to mean for you and me? Think about it with me. At some time and in some way, someone inconvenienced themselves in order to help introduce you to Jesus and, and have, even, have even made it a priority to help you grow in your relationship with him. They may have given their time, money, their day off, their comfort, convenience, plans, or, or laid down their preferences in order to help bring you to Jesus. In some cases, they sacrificed all those things. And for what? For this to watch God change your life. They believed time had not expired on what Jesus commanded them to do. They believed that they should do the same thing these followers did. They believed they had a role to play in God changing your life. And we're so grateful. That's what God is still doing at Bridgewater. He's changing lives and he's using you to do it. The evidence of what God has done in, through, and among us is all over the place. We are so grateful for all God has done, but we are begging him not to stop. And how has all this happened? How did, how did we get there? Why has Bridgewater not closed and faded into memory? What happened was when there was work to be done, ministries to serve in, and people to engage, you didn't look around for who God would use. You looked in the mirror. You stepped up. You sacrificed. You answered the call. You understood that the advancement of the gospel of Jesus multiplies through the sacrifices and efforts of God's people, energized by the power and presence of God among his people. So many of you have done your part and we are urging you to keep it up. The work is not finished. Jesus' command to tell people about him is not temporary for us. God is still changing lives and we want to be involved in that. But what that will mean is we will always stay one or two steps ahead of comfort. Our faith that God is still changing lives means we've got to obey Jesus' command to tell people about him. And as we watch him change lives, our faith grows. And this prepares us for greater and more costly levels of obedience. You see, great faith always results in great obedience. And I wonder what God wants to do next through the people 
of great faith and obedience who make up Bridgewater Church. It's fun to dream about it, but we will obey and we will do our part and let God determine what he does through us. So let me urge you once again to pray for more workers and, and to do the work. Why? Why would we do that? Because God wants to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. His zeal has not faded and his commands have not expired. Let's together resolve to obey so that we can continue being a part of God changing people's lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love hearing reminders of why we do what we do. As you look around and you look at this building and you see all this technology and you realize this, this started because Jesus looked at a few ragamuffin people who didn't agree politically, didn't agree socially, and said, hey you, go change the world. And here we are today as a result of them simply trusting and believing that Jesus was going to do something through them that they were incapable of doing on their own. And so that's why we're here today, because we believe Jesus can do that in everybody else's life. And, and I love what Josh said, and I actually want to read uh, what Josh said. Uh, so this quote up here, it said, this is what Josh said. He said, when there was work to be done, ministries to serve in, and people to engage, you didn't look around for who God would use. You looked in the mirror. You stepped up. You sacrificed. You answered the call. And as I heard him say that, I said, that's Halstead. That's you. you. You have done that. As I think about all the things that God is doing, we're going to share a little bit of the, the numbers later. Um, I, I said to my wife, I was hardly involved in any of those. Um, much of the awesome things we're getting to see happen is because you are doing the work that God has called you to do. And so uh, if you're new here, some of this may be new information for you. Some of you, for some of you, this is recap. Um, but does anybody know our mission statement? What's our mission statement? Let's hear it. There you go. Thank you, Joe. He's a deacon. He should know that one. All right. The reason we exist, everything we do comes out of the call of Jesus for us to go make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Everything we do. And so if there's things you're like, why don't you do that? Because we don't feel that helps us make more and better disciples of Jesus. Why do you do that? Because we feel it helps us make more and better disciples of Jesus. Everything we do is filtered through that being our sole focus. This is not a social club. This is not just a hangout. This is a place on mission. And that is played out in our five core values, which I won't test you what they are. I'll just show them to you, but it'd be good for you to have them memorized. These are what we believe drive us towards that mission, that we believe everybody has the next step, that save people, serve people, which is what we did last week by canceling Sunday services and going into the community and serving because we believe that's what Jesus has called us to do. Found people, find people. Life is better connected and we give because he Gave. These five things drive our uh, ministry because they point us towards what we believe God would call us to do. So if you didn't know that, they're on the back wall. Um, they're on our website. You can read more about them there. But I just wanted you to be aware of uh, why we do the things uh, we do around here. Josh said two things here. He said that we would pray for more workers and that we would do the work. What I want to do here uh, in the next few minutes is kind of talk about what I believe that looks like in Halstead. And as I was thinking about how to best demonstrate what I believe this looks like for us in Halstead, I thought I would just give you an insight into my prayer journal uh, and the things that I am praying for. And so we're going to kind of look at it in two categories, the things that we're praying for the campus and, and that I am specifically praying for the campus and the things that we're praying for the community. And so uh, there's four for each of them. The first one is this, that hurting people would find hope in Jesus and love in 
in community. I'm praying for this consistently, that anybody who walks in the doors of this church would find a group of people who are willing to meet them where they're at, meet them in their hurts, show them the overwhelming love of Jesus, and that they'd begin to find a love in community that they're unable to find in the world. That has been perpetually my prayer, that when somebody walks through this door, they don't feel judgment, they don't feel condemnation, they feel the love of Jesus in a way that they can't even put words to. Now, how does that happen? That happens when we pray that that would be true, and then you do the work. That happens when you show up on a Sunday morning and you serve and get services and you're standing there with that friendly face and a warm cup of coffee and you're meeting new people and you're not just talking to your friends. It happens when we do the very things that Christ has equipped us to do. That's my first prayer for our campus. Here's the second prayer. That people would grow deeper in their faith. Uh, we don't just want people to come in, be entertained, and, and walk out, and there have been people who have taken shots at Bridgewater that were not very deep. We need to get into the Word, and we have perpetually said, um, for us, deep faith is deep obedience to Jesus, um, that you can have all the head knowledge you want, and if it doesn't uh, end up changing the way you live and act, that that's not really deep faith at all. That's just information, and so one of my prayers has been that as we teach the Word of God, that it would meet your hearts in a way that causes you to obey God more than you did the day before. And so I'm perpetually praying that for all of us, but how does this happen? This happens when we pray, and then you walk alongside somebody who's younger in their faith and begin to walk them along their journey. I I can't do that for everyone. I do it for as many as I can. That's why we gave you those foundation booklets over the last couple weeks. There's some back out there because it is for us to do the work, for you to do the work of bringing people along in their faith. That's my second prayer for our campus. Here's the third one. That kids would come and understand God's love. There is something incredible happening on that backside of the building, um, and we don't ever want to just assume that it's going to keep happening. Right? We are continually praying that God would show up and that he would use their skits and he would use the, the awesome volunteers back there to change lives. And how does that happen? It happens because we pray that God would do an amazing thing back there, and then a bunch of you put on those awesome blue kids ministry shirts all right? You inconvenience yourselves. You get up early. You show up here for two services. You go back there. Why? Because you might change the trajectory of a child's eternity. It's not just service back there. It's a kid's eternity at stake. And that's what we're praying for, that God would meet kids at a young age before uh, the world confuses them, before they hear contradictory things, that their hearts would be rooted in the faith of Jesus. And that happens when you go back there and teach those kids the word of God. Here's the fourth one. The teeds would find Jesus more captivating than the world. I feel like I've been praying this one more and more uh, regularly lately, that, that the appetite of our teenagers would be different. That the things of the world wouldn't even be appealing to them. That as they look at what the world offers and they look at what God offers, their hearts would just be drawn to Jesus in a way that just the rest of the people around them go, what's wrong with these people? Well, nothing's wrong with them. They figured out that the world doesn't satisfy. And that's been my prayer. But how does that happen? It happens because a group of people not only come here on Sunday morning, they come back here Sunday afternoon and they sacrifice their nap time and their their football to come spend their time, energy, and heart to love on kids who often don't have anybody being a positive influence in their life who often only have negative influences in their life. And we want to come in and be a positive voice of speaking truth and affirmation and love to these kids. And and that doesn't happen unless somebody answers the call to do the work 
of ministry. So I would invite you, uh, be, begin to, if you aren't already, begin to pray these prayers with me. And then also begin to ask, okay, God, what do you have me to do to potentially be an answer to one of those prayers? Here's, here's the prayers for the community. There's four of them here that I'm praying for. Our communities at large, and I know that uh, we reach multiple communities in Halstead, Great Bend, New Milford, and honestly, we have people coming from Afton and Endwell and all over the place. And we have about an hour circle of people we're trying to reach. So here, here's the prayers we're praying for our communities that people far from God would accept the gift of salvation. There's a lot of things we can pray for. We can pray for uh, economic improvement and all those things, and and those are good, but can I say the most important thing your community needs is that all of your neighbors would come to know Jesus? Many of those other problems would begin to solve themselves if uh, we all looked through the lens of Jesus, and so that is and always will be my main prayer for us and our communities. Here's the next one. For families and marriages, Um, I said recently, probably about four or five months ago, um, these last two and a half years have been some of the toughest on marriages I have ever seen in over 10 years of ministry. There is something happening. There is, I can't even really put words to it. It has been absolute war. And here's, here's my prayer specifically on this, that we as Christians, those who claim the name of Jesus, that when people look in on our marriages, the world around us looking on our marriages, they would go, I want that. What's different? What are they doing? Why are they not yelling at each other? Why is she not bad-mouthing him? Why is he speaking in an honoring way to her? Why are they not griping about who's not taking care of the kids, right? That, that we, as followers of Jesus, would begin to represent God's love to the community around us by the way we treat our spouses. And listen, I am not doing it perfectly, so I'm not going to stand up here and say, get in line. I'm just going to say, let's all begin to realize the weight of our call here to represent Jesus's love. So that's what we're praying for there. Here's the third one. Freedom from the cycle of poverty and drugs. Um, My heart breaks as I hear stories and hear conversations of overdoses and as I literally can watch drug deals happening, as I see these things happening, my heart doesn't go out in judgment at them because I understand the nature of addiction well. I've, I've tried to do a lot of research to understand this, but But this cycle has to stop, and it has to start with us beginning to pray. And we see and hear somebody struggling. I've done and been around more drug overdose funerals than I care to ever be around. Well, what is it? It's hopelessness. Well, who has hope? We have hope. We have the hope of Jesus. And it starts with the church beginning to engage in this cycle and beginning to help people. Now, we can't solve those problems, but we can walk alongside and begin to encourage um, Um, the government to to step in. We can encourage to be a part of support groups. There's a lot we can do to begin to end that, but begin to pray for that cycle. Here's the last one. Here's for the foster care system. This one's a little especially close to my heart. Uh, Many of you know my wife and I have been engaged in foster care. We love this, um, but we got it into it largely because the Lord just kind of burdened our heart. But as we got into it, we began to have conversations with the social workers and Um, one of the pieces of information they gave us was out of all of their homes, about half of them are actually, the foster care homes are actually worse than the homes they're pulling kids from. And so they can't even use half their foster homes because of the environments that they are. And so um, they're, they're working to reduce those, but they just know those are not safe homes. Now, why is that? Because of Christians having homes and keeping them closed. It is inconvenient. It is awkward Right? I had somebody show up at my house, and I didn't know how to interact with this age group. And I was like, this is awkward, babe. She said, suck it up. And I said, okay, I will, all right? Thanks for the, thanks for the grace, right? Is it, is it difficult to figure out what to do with? Absolutely. Is it 100% worth it? Every time. Every time. 
the, the foster care system it is in desperate need of us as believers to step up and do what we can. And maybe your home isn't available. You can be a respite home. You can be a resource to these families. Um, we have helped place kids with nothing but a moldy bottle in the hands and a dirty diaper on their body and nothing else, right? That, that shouldn't be true. It just shouldn't be true. We can do something about that. And so that's one of our big prayers here in our community, that we could help change the trajectory of these kids' lives. Um, kind of with that, I want to talk about our partnerships and the things we partner with here. Uh, there's three big partners. Uh, the first one is CareNet, and they kind of go hand in hand with this foster care system conversation. For those of you who don't know CareNet, uh, CareNet is a crisis pregnancy center that's based uh, out of Montrose, and they work to come along women in crisis pregnancies and, and families in crisis pregnancies to help offer alternatives from abortion, to help offer uh, counseling in post-abortion grief, uh, to financial resources. Like They do a lot to help. Um, they are not out there with signs, picketing and riding. They are there to encourage and support and help anybody through what could be the most difficult decision they're ever going to make. And we financially support them. And I, I just wanted to say in response to, um, I know I've been kind of quiet about the issue and it's been on purpose, but Kind of in response to the Roe versus Wade overturn, um, what was happening uh, on the kind of public scale was that a lot of people were taking shots at Christians that were only pro-birth, not pro-life. Um, and, and to that, I would say, uh, the church has been involved in helping crisis pregnancy centers long before I showed up. The church has been involved helping women in difficult situations long before I showed up, has been financially behind it, and will continue to be behind it probably long after I'm gone. Uh, we're part of the foster care system because we know it's not as simple as just overturning a law. We know that when we choose to, to keep babies, there's something that happens with those babies, and often they don't have places to go, and they often end up in foster care system, which is why we believe we can't just be the answer here. We have to be the answer all the way along. Uh, and so uh, I just want to say we have always been for life at every stage, no matter who you are, and we will always be there to help whatever stage you're at to, to be that. And so um, that's kind of my, my answer. I've been getting a lot of questions about why I haven't talked about it. Um, I haven't talked about it because it's a huge conversation. It's very political. But I also knew that this conversation was coming, and I wanted you to see we want to be involved at every step to help offer help, support, and life to those in need. One of the other things that you do when you, when you give to Bridgewater here is that you help support our global ministries, not only what's happening locally, uh, but our global ministries. Now, we have two uh, missionaries that we've adopted here at our campus that we get to see God doing incredible things. I feel a little uh, guilty. I may have uh, moved some elbow grease around to get these two missionaries because I love what they're doing. I, I love these guys. And the first one is the Niles family. Uh, they are in the Hospital of Hope in Togo, Africa, just doing incredible, incredible work out of, over there. We're going to hear from them in a little bit. And then we actually have Jake uh, from Hope Recorder. He flew all the way from Ethiopia to hang out with us this morning. Uh, that's not true. He was already here, but it worked out well. Um, so here, we're going to watch a video uh, from the Niles. I met up with them. Um, this is a terrible video quality. I sincerely apologize. I was having lunch with them at Adam Oakley's house and all of a sudden realized he was going to go back to Africa and I wasn't going to hear from him for a while. And so I said, well, I'm going to grab my iPhone and we're going to shoot a video and they're going to watch this terrible quality video. So uh, enjoy. Um, I should never be a videographer, but here you go. Let's see what Alan has to say. Hey guys, uh, we uh, are so excited. We got to catch up with Alan and Catherine Niles. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they are one of our supportive missionaries here at Bridgewater. Uh, they're doing an incredible, incredible work. Uh, I've been able to share some stories with you guys and just wanted you to hear uh, from Alan about some things going on in their ministry. So uh, want to tell us a little bit about the ministry for those who don't know and then sure. what you've been up to for the last couple of years. Sure. So we're part of a team that works at the Hospital of Hope in Togo, West Africa. 
and we've been there since 2008. Wow. And um, God has allowed us just in the last two years to pull away so that I could come back to Syracuse and get the training as a physician assistant. So I'll be finishing up next month, mm. sitting for my boards, and then we'll head back in September. It's a big deal. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, it's been an interesting time, I'm sure, to be doing rotations through hospitals yeah. and learning all of that. But... Yeah. yeah. This whole last year, I've been all over central New York in different hospitals, different clinics, kind of um, learning different sides of medicine and honing in an emergency medicine that I'll be able to use in Togo. Very cool. So. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you did <clears throat> to the hospital previously and then what that will look like for you going back. Sure. So initially when I went there, I was building the hospital. I was a foreman on the site for about five years. Okay. We, we did the construction and then um, I was asked to become the director of the hospital. So I was the uh, director of the hospital for four years and oversaw um, yeah, every day-to-day -day work of about 200 employees. Wow. And um, all that time I just had a love, just really passion for being with patients and seeing the huge need we have, um, especially in the last few years with COVID, hard to get short-term help to come. And so God really put on my heart to uh, say, hey, why not me? And so I applied and um, by God's grace, got into Upstate Medical in Syracuse and uh, kind of the rest is history, getting trained in medicine now to go back and help on the medicine side of things. Very cool. And you were just sharing with me a little bit about some of the financial things and how yeah. that provided. Would you mind sharing that? Sure. I mean, um, obviously, you incur a lot of debt with uh, a medical program, but um, God has been really um, faithful in how he's provided for us. And uh, an association called MedSend uh, actually took us on, and so they're paying all of my medical debt wow. so that we can serve on the field and, and really not have to worry about that. And uh, it's really out there for many people if they're interested mm -hmm. and if they have medical debt and they want to be involved in missions that finances is never never uh, something that can limit us that's awesome so very cool yeah how can we be partnering with you praying for you guys as you head back and keep doing awesome work over there yeah um, well as i mentioned earlier transition is uh, difficult as you can imagine especially as our kids are getting a little older um, so I'll just pray for a transition back that would be smooth, though uh, smooth never happens in Africa, <laughs> but uh, that we would slip into the team and jump in and be helpful and, and help in any way we can with our teammates and um, take on the ministry again. Mm -hmm. So the transition and then as far as I'm concerned, uh, medicine as I learn to treat um, not just illnesses that are found in central New York, but uh, <laughs> infectious diseases and-, and You mean they're different? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't just have COVID we're dealing with there. Um, so things like that, but okay. God will allow me to have the wisdom and jump in right away uh, and yeah, be able to help. Very cool. Uh, if somebody wanted to find out more information about you guys, kind of track with you, how do they go about uh, doing that? Yeah, so the hospital itself has a website um, you can find us online. Just type in Hospital of Hope Mongo Togo and all the information will come up. And we serve with the mission ABWE okay. and so you'll be able to track us there. Um, and then if people are interested, they can get on our mailing list and we just send out periodic emails and they can follow everything that's going on with our ministry. 
Very cool. Well, hey, thanks so much. It was so good to catch up with you. Uh, Church, let's keep praying for them. These guys are doing amazing, incredible things. Uh, and we're just grateful to be a part and just kind of watch you from a distance what God is doing. Uh, so just thank you to you guys for your service. I want you to do for the kingdom. And It doesn't have to be from a distance. If you guys want to travel all the way to West Africa. We're, uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so let's do it. So, hey, thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. One of my favorite things about Alan is just that simple phrase, hey, why not me? Why not me? I, I could do it. And I think what oh, you see there is just a great demonstration of um, pray for workers and let's go do the work. So if you guys want to follow them, you can grab their information off there. I want to invite Jacob. Jake's going to share with us about what he's doing here in Ethiopia. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a privilege to be back with you here at Halstead. It's always such a joy for me to be able to come home and see the faces that support the ministry in Ethiopia. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm the deputy country director for an international nonprofit organization called Hope for Cora. We work in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, the capital city. We work in the largest urban slum in Ethiopia called Kora. This, uh, this slum is located right near the garbage dump in Ethiopia, and for many, this is where they find survival. There's a source of food, a source of income. Two weeks ago, I had uh, the privilege to go and, and visit our campus in Montrose, and the, the service, the message was on the greatest of these serve. And I'm sure many of you heard that message as well. And it got me thinking about our young people uh, in Cora. And as you can imagine, in a slum, it's, it's not a great place to grow up, especially as a young person. And Hope for Cora, we have an education and youth empowerment center right in the heart of the community uh, in a dangerous area. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cora is a very dark place. Um, there's not a lot of hope, not a lot of opportunity, especially, especially for a young person. Uh, but I was reminded just uh, a few months ago in Easter, our young people, they got together and they formed this club called the Kindness Club. Now, all of them have been impacted from someone investing in their life. And they said, you know, we've been, people have invested in us. We want to go and give back to our community. Well, these are kids who have uh, one shirt on their back. Uh, they live in a one-room mud home with the rest of their family, a dirt floor. They, most of the children, they sleep on the floor while the parents are sleeping in the bed. They don't have anything to give. But they went out in their community and they raised money. And they raised this money and they had this idea to put together this, this feast. And they went out in their community and they, they looked for the, the least of these. These are people who are crippled, blind, poor, living on the streets, begging, people that are near churches. These are the people that we walk past and, and we don't look at them. They're forgotten. They're deemed un, unimportant by society. But our young people, they saw them. And they invited about 80 of them to our Education Youth Empowerment Center. And it was such a beautiful thing to see these people, 80 people being ushered in. Our kids stayed up most of the night putting on this big feast. The purpose? To serve. And I had the opportunity to share the gospel. And it was fitting. It was Easter weekend. And... What I really wanted them to know is you are seen, you're important, you're not forgotten. And uh, as we know, Christ came here not uh, to be served, but to serve. And it was so, it was an amazing opportunity for me to affirm our young people as well. And uh, 
the, the day was filled with dancing and uh, the children came up and, and they washed the hands of, of, these, of the poorest of the poor in this community and they served them a hot meal. And during that afternoon, it just seemed like all was perfect in the world. And uh, I had the privilege to be there firsthand, but I want you to know here at Halstead, you're a part of that. You were there that day. Why? Because you give to the ministry here at this church. God's not only changing lives here in Halstead and throughout our campuses, but we serve a mighty God who is changing lives in Ethiopia. I'm here to stand before you today to say that I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have a church uh, like Bridgewater that uh, believes in what God is doing, making more and better disciples, not only here, but in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I just want to say thank you for those of you who support me personally. Uh, it's a privilege. Uh, for more information about Hofer Cora, I'm going to be standing at this table. I actually brought home uh, some fresh coffee from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. Uh, so I'm, I'll be selling coffee, which goes directly back into our Education Youth Empowerment Center uh, with Hofer Cora. Again, it's just been a joy for me to be able to come and to see your faces this morning. Thank you so much. God bless you all. No stampeding to get the coffee, all right? <laughs> hey, as we, as we wrap up today, I just wanted to give you a little update of kind of what God's been doing over the last two years. And obviously, you were hearing all these stories of how God is changing lives. And uh, when we came back from COVID, there was 15 of us in this room. Um, those of you who were here remember it was awkward and it was weird. And I didn't know why I was up here. And it was... Anyway, so then we opened up and we were about 130 and it still felt empty. Many of you were missing and we were praying for you. And uh, I just wanted to let you know two Sundays ago, so not because we are closed for Be the Church, the Sunday before that, we had 342 people in Sunday attendance, which is awesome. Praise God. That's about 25 people off from our pre-COVID numbers, which is, which is great. That's, God's doing amazing things there. Like I said in our kids' ministry, uh, last month we averaged 90 kids back there in that wing back there. Come on, give it up for everybody in a blue shirt. <laughs> and so if you understand why we're asking for more kids' volunteers, I don't need to say anything else. Okay, 90 kids. It's awesome back there. Uh, we've also been able to see God do amazing things here just in Halstead uh, around all of our campuses as well. But we've been able to see 13 people take their next step in faith uh, to trust Jesus as their Savior just this year alone in Halstead. The cool part about this is I went down the list of people who made this decision. I was only indirectly involved in two. The rest of them were all of you having conversations with people you know and you love. And for me, there's no greater joy for me as a pastor than to see you guys doing the work of bringing the hope of Jesus to the world around us. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. We've also been able to see 11 people go public with their next step through baptism. We're going to see some more even next week go public uh, with baptism. We're excited about God doing that. Here's what we know about the future. We don't know. We, we don't know what God's going to do. We don't know where he's going to turn. We don't know. But what we do know is this. God is not done yet. He's not done yet. Now, how do I know he's not done yet? Because you and I both have neighbors and loved ones and people we care about who don't yet know the, the love of Jesus. That's how I know he's not done. He is not going to give up until everybody hears the good news of Jesus because his heart is that none should perish. And so that is our 
heart. And we are going to continue to push until that is true, that nobody has anybody in their life left who doesn't know Jesus personally as their Savior. Somebody asked me once a couple years ago, when is enough going to be enough for Bridgewater? When are you going to settle down? When are you going to settle in? And I just shortly said, I hope and pray never. Um, That was my answer. And as I thought about that more, I realized, no, there, there will come a day when we stop. And this is what will be true. When heaven is full and hell is empty. We'll, we'll stop pushing for you to reach your neighbors. We'll stop pushing to preach the gospel when heaven is full and hell is empty and the devil is defeated and we're all in glory. That's when we'll stop, then and only then. The question for us this morning then is what part do you play in that? What, what part do you play in robbing hell and filling heaven? We talked about a lot of things this morning. There's a lot of things you can do. Uh, Maybe for you, it's throwing on one of those t-shirts and jumping in the back and serving. Maybe it's serving in guest services. Maybe it's serving in our youth ministry. Maybe it's walking across the street and having a gospel conversation with a neighbor or somebody you love. Maybe it's getting on a plane and moving to Africa with Jake and Alan. I don't know. I'm not going to rule it out. All right? That might be true for some of you. Uh, Maybe... It's generously giving to what God is doing here. I I don't know what it is, but in front of each of you this morning, there's a next steps card because we believe around here that everybody has a next step, right? And so whoever you are, wherever you are, that card is in front of you. Take that. There's some next steps there for you, for you to find out what part you play in making more and better disciples of Jesus. Fill that out, hand it out at the Welcome Center, and we will be in touch with you about how to help you take uh, your next step. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Jesus, we love you. My heart is overwhelmed that we just get to be a part of what you're doing. As I think about the global reach in Togo and Ethiopia and the reach throughout our communities and the impact you are having, God, I am humbled to be a part of it. I pray that all of us today would be so moved by your love for the lost and for the least of these that we would give up whatever is getting in the way of obeying you. God, that we as a church would would full abandon, serve you, honor you, and love those that you've called us to love. God, I pray that you would never stop changing lives, that you would never stop changing our life, and that many in our area would come to know you as a personal Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.